So Steve said, my name is Dan Farron. Uh, for those who don't know me, my wife and I, Becky, we've been coming to Lakeside uh, since 2012, I think. So we moved up to Halliburton then and have been attending Lakeside since. And uh, I work nearby at Mediba, <coughs> uh, help run a 10-month uh, Christian leadership development program uh, run out of Mediba. So uh, really excited to be here and uh, sharing today. And so uh, today, uh, as I've been thinking about it a little bit too, so as was mentioned, Pastor Paul's on sabbatical. Uh, we've had uh, a great uh, six series or six-part sermon by Steve. We had John uh, speaking last night, so the, or last week. So the bar has been set pretty high. So I hope uh, hope you'll be encouraged what I'm sharing by what I'm sharing today. If if you're not, then you can also look forward to Paul's coming back in the fall. So you can get excited about that too. Um, but. Today, I want to talk about something that I have been, um, has been on my mind a lot since university, and it's um, just something that I've continually been thinking through is, like, how do I share my faith with other people? And this is something that I find, personally, I'm not, the, I'm not really comfortable with. I'm always feeling a little bit ill at ease whenever I'm bringing up conversations of faith. And I think, in particular, as I share my faith with people outside of uh, of our church or outside of uh, people who don't share the same beliefs as me, uh, that's where some of that apprehension comes in. Because um, as, as we look at, uh, kind of at broader culture, there's there's an element of kind of, uh, we just see there's uh, maybe not a receptivity to conversations like that, that faith or conversations about faith are increasingly moving from public to kind of private spheres. Um, and so I think that that maybe something that hits a lot of us. But one thing that I think is funny is I've thought about that idea of, like, how do I engage in conversations about faith, is that I also have some apprehension about conversations of faith with people who share the same faith as me. So even in talking to, to people at church sometimes, I'm like, oh, I don't know like, what to say or how to say this or, or how, how I feel most comfortable um, doing that or how to feel comfortable doing that. And I, as I thought about it, I was like, that's kind of funny, like that we're on the same team and even in the midst of that, sometimes I'm apprehensive about um, talking about what God's doing in my life or how God's been revealing himself to me. And as I think about it, I think that's not just a me thing. That is a, is a we thing. It's something that affects more than just me. Because as I've talked to friends, um, as I've talked to some of my students at, uh, in the leadership program, I know lots of people who share, like, I'm just not comfortable sharing my testimony or sharing about my faith um, because I feel like my testimony is boring or it's not valuable to other people or at, uh, say, like a life group and a study, people just... I'm like, I don't know what to say. Like, they ask a question, and I don't have an answer until after the study, or I don't know what to say. And so I think that that idea of talking about faith is something that um, is, is uh, something we all find some discomfort in at times. And why I think that is important for us to deal with is um, that, as I said, like, with us being kind of on the same team and... Uh, us being called to be disciple makers. So Christ has called us, like, through the Great Commission to go and make disciples, to be a witness to our world. We're called to share our faith with others. And so I think for us, as we do that um, and seek to kind of fulfill that calling, it's really important that we are comfortable doing that with one another, that as we kind of share our faith with our home team, that gives us opportunity to go and share our faith with people who probably don't have the same views as us, or maybe even um, have apprehension or view us with suspicion. So that's what I'm really hoping to talk about today, um, how we uh, explore this idea of like what our words are and how they have values we share them, and what to say, how do we go about sharing our faith. Um, 
And so as I've been uh, reading this spring, where I wanted to jump in with that is in the book of 1 John, because I think the introduction to 1 John um, gives some good insight into uh, what this looks like for us. And so um, 1 John, or sorry, uh, 1 John is written by John, and so it's uh, one of his three letters. Um, John wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, uh, which were letters that he wrote to uh, various churches or neighboring churches, and then he also wrote the book of Revelation. And so um, he, similar to us, lives in a culture that viewed Christianity with suspicion, that there was not a, tr- a trust of Christians amongst broader, uh, the broader culture. Uh, so amongst Romans, Greeks, Jewish culture that he was in the midst of, uh, they, uh, they viewed Christians with suspicion and animosity quite often. Uh, and in this context as well, there were really well-developed church relationships. And so as I said, this letter is being written to fellow churches, so fellow Christians. Um, John's writing them to encourage them, to reveal what he, uh, what he has heard from them or sorry, what he has heard from God and revealing that um, to those churches. So I think it's a good, gives a good context of um, what we can draw out for how do we share our faith with one another? What value do we find in sharing our faith with one another? Um, and he sets out the purpose of why he is writing to fellow Christians and, uh, and what he has to say to them in this introduction. Um, so I think that fits really well with kind of what I've been mulling over. Um, so I'm going to read the introduction and... My apologies if that's a little bit small up there for you. Um, so I'll read through the introduction and then we can jump in. So 1 John verses 1 through 4 says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one, who is life itself, was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We, re- we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. So initially, uh, and actually we'll just jump to the next slide, and initially I want to run through what John is saying here. And I'm not sure if you picked up some of the repetition. I've highlighted it here. Um, But what's interesting is three times uh, within these four verses, John says this idea of we proclaim. Uh, So in verse 1, we proclaim. In verse 2, now we testify and proclaim. In verse 3, we proclaim to you. So three times he says, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So this is his introduction to the letter. So he's making it really clear, like, I'm trying to tell you something here. And beyond that, John wants to emphasize what he is telling us. So you can see in the green, uh, what's interesting is he really highlights this idea of what he has seen, heard, and touched. So John is emphasizing for his audience what he himself has witnessed. Uh, He says, Uh, So we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, who we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. And later on, he repeats this idea of we have seen him. What we ourselves have actually seen and heard, this is what we're proclaiming to you. So he's proclaiming or he's telling of what he has witnessed. Uh, This isn't the yeah, this is what I heard secondhand from my like cousin's boyfriend's friend. Like, This is what I witnessed myself, I experienced, and I'm telling to you. And so that's important because John is making an appeal, an appeal to our trust. Uh, what I'm telling you is something that you can trust because I experienced it myself. And so then uh, 
we want to see what was it that he witnessed. And in a lot of ways, this hinges on the idea of revelation, what was revealed to us. Um, John is giving an eyewitness account that God has revealed himself to us. I saw, I touched, I heard God revealed. Um, revelation is, is a, a word that means to uncover or to unveil something. And J.I. Packer writes, uh, gives a, a really good definition of this. says, reveal is a picture word, and the picture is of God unveiling. God showing us things which were previously hidden. God causing and enabling us to see what previously could not be seen. Uh, so in a lot of ways, to unveil is like the idea of re- reveal is me revealing what's under um, this towel. So pulling that back would be revelation, to reveal something. Um, and John is saying here, <clears throat> uh, so if we jump to the next slide, um, he's highlighting what has been revealed. And you can see it in red. The one who existed from the beginning, the word of life, life itself, the one who is eternal life, who resided with the Father. So John's message to fellow believers begins with his affirming God's revelation. He's writing to fellow Christians, and he's affirming what God has revealed to him. And as we look at this a little bit, I want to unpack a word um, that I think is really significant. It's the idea, uh, or a Greek word called logos. Um, So in sharing with his audience, um, and sharing the revelation of God, John uses the same word in both his gospel account, as he starts his gospel, and in this letter. And the word, uh, as I mentioned, is logos, which is the Greek word we translate to word. In 1 John 1.1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And here in 1 John, he uses this term, this word again, uh, in describing Christ as the word of life. So logos was an important term um, for John. And what was interesting is that it had a lot of cultural meaning to his listeners. It was a word that he would say, and they would, as they heard it, would have a lot of meaning attached to it, which we don't necessarily have um, as we hear it. So um, what's interesting is for them, the word, the idea of a word, is that, uh, or logos, is that by which God could be known. So you think, as you hear my words, you get to know what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. You get to know me because I'm speaking, and you hear my words and can put meaning to that. In the same way, Logos, God's word, was a means by which God was revealed, that he became known. So it had a lot of cultural meaning to his listeners, both to the Greeks and the Jews, and had some different meanings there. To the Greeks, this was a logical or rational principle that governed all things. So it's the logic or the principle that governed all things was how they saw the word of God. And to the Jewish people, this was God's power in creation and governance of his creation and his word to creation. So a lot, a lot of kind of richness to this term and meaning for them. So I want to use, uh, I have a painting under this towel. It's not, nothing fancy, not a nice sheet, but <laughs> a white towel. Um, and two things that I just, as we talk about this idea of logos, or I unpack that, that will help for this analogy to work. One is that the veil or the towel represents the towel of revelation. And underneath the image represents God's word. Um, so remembering that logos had a lot of cultural meaning, I thought it was important for us to unpack that a little bit and understand the breadth of this term as John uses it in uh, his gospel, and then here in First John. So in Genesis 1.1, uh, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, 
let there be light, and there was light. And so God initially reveals himself by speaking creation into being. He, he speaks, and light is created. He speaks, and then life is formed in creation, that there are trees. Um, he separates the continents from... <clears throat> continents from oceans, and this all comes about from his voice. So it's as though he was a painter outside the painting, speaking it into creation. So we see the logos first, or God's word, is first revealed through creation. Uh, And so that is one way that the Jews understood this term. In another sense, how they understood it uh, was how God would speak to creation. So it was God's word to creation as well. Um, God speaks to his creation, and he reveals himself through his word. Uh, in Genesis 12, 1, God spoke to Abraham. He says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, the land that I will show you. And then throughout Israel's history, as we have written down in Scripture, so God's word, God's word to his people, and we have that documented, continually says, The word of the Lord came to Samuel. The word of the Lord came to Solomon. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Time and time again, God's word came to his people, and that's what we have documented in scriptures, his word to his people. So God creates by his word, and he engages with creation by his word. He speaks to his creation by his word. Um, And then lastly, as I mentioned, the Greeks had their own understanding of what this meant. And for, uh, for, Greek, uh, for Greek listeners who would hear this idea of logos, uh, what you might, you probably can't see down here is in the white. Uh, this is a paint by numbers painting. And so there's a number one which represents like a tan color, and number two represents black. And so for Greek listeners, they saw logos in the rational and logical um, processes which govern creation. So just like this painting has, there's a logic to it. The, the numbers govern what color is where. They looked at creation and saw the the laws of nature, as you could understand them, as the way that God was displayed and governed all of creation. And this wasn't a personal God. This was just God who was in all things, who made gravity work, who made the ebb and flow of tides. Like that was God within creation. And so. When John used logos, his listeners understood this word to be God's self-expression and revelation. So his revealing himself to all of creation. And for the Jews, this was a personal, personal and knowable God uh, who is outside creation, yet expressed himself to creation and engaged with creation. And for the Greeks, this was a God who was just throughout creation, was a part of it. So John uses this idea of logos to convey God's greatest revelation. In John 1.14, he says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the word, God who spoke, became flesh and dwelt among us, became a part of the painting. So the creator went into the painting, which, I mean, we can't imagine with an analogy like this, but became part of what they had created. In 1 John 1, 1, uh, as we were reading, it says, We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. So John is proclaiming, he's giving testimony to the idea that God, who is outside of creation, stepped into creation and became a part of it. That he could be touched, heard, and seen. God's word was revealed to us. God was revealed to us. So as a disciple, um, John would have heard Jesus' call to come and follow me. 
He would have seen him heal lepers and the lame. He would have seen him feed, feed thousands. He heard him say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Uh, they reclined for meals together. John watched Jesus die, and he saw, heard, and touched him after he rose from the grave. So why does this idea of Logos matter then? Why does John touch on it both in his gospel and here in this letter? Because by God's word, God who created all things reveals himself to creation. God in whom all life is sustained from the smallest blade of grass to the like, biggest whale um, has been revealed to his creation. And God has spoken to his people through the prophets throughout history. And we have that documented in scripture. So, and just as God ultimately revealed himself in Jesus Christ, now John seeks to share what God has revealed to him with his fellow listeners, with those he's writing to. Um, he says, God, um, God did this work of revealing. This is God's work. And I'm telling you this amazing thing that I have seen him reveal. So God did the work, but I'm trying to put it on display for you. I'm trying to show this to you. So why is John writing this to Christians, people who already believe that God has revealed himself in Jesus? Because this is a letter to the church. Um, People who share John's hope and faith in God. And he has two aims that he mentions in mind. The first is for their fellowship, and the second is for their joy. And you can see this in verses 3 and 4 here. It says, We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. <clears throat> so as, as we look at this, John ultimately wants those he's writing to to share in his experience. He talks about... Um, their fellowship and their joy. And with fellowship, um, this is a Greek word that means to participate or take part in, that they would participate together and take part in uh, as a church. They would participate as a church and as a body, just as they participate in their relationship with God. And for, for their joy. So his aim is that his listeners' joy would be complete, um, that it would be reciprocal or mutual, that their joy would help to complete or fulfill uh, one another's joy. And so we can see this um, in a way, like John is saying, I've seen something amazing and it's not just for me. It's not that like, he has witnessed, ooh, can I turn that around without it falling? So it's not that he's saying, like, I've witnessed God's revelation and I've, I've kept this story to myself. I like, sit in my personal study and just contemplate it on my own. No, what he has done is he said, I have seen this and I'm going to reveal what God has showed me. I'm going to put that on display or exhibit it so that others likewise can benefit from what I've shown them. That as I show or exhibit God's revelation to you, we join in fellowship together. Now we are participating in God's revelation so that as you grow in your relationship with God, I get to participate in that as well. So we're doing this together. And What's interesting is that both the depth and quality of relationship increases both like for us as we fellowship but also with the object of our fellowship. And I think this is something that we can all understand when we think about how we engage with people who share like a common interest or a passion with us. And so for me, I, I really uh, love biking and actually get to bike with a lot of people here at church. Uh, one of my friends, Steve, is a BMX biker, so he likes like 
going big off of jumps. I'm a mountain biker, so I ride up a lot of hills and then down hills on the other side. But we've connected over biking, and so we share an interest in that. And as a result, our relationship has deepened. So we have grown closer together as we participate. So we, we fellowship over biking is what, what I'm getting at here. But what's interesting is that it's not just our relationship that has deepened through that. Our, our fellowship also increases with the object over which we connect. So we have become better bikers. We do more biking as we connect in that way. And that's what John's saying here is that as I share or reveal God to you, we are connecting. You get to in, engage with me in what my experience has been, and our relationship deepens. But not only that, our relationship deepens with God as well, so the object of our fellowship. So, as I said, John is doing this for two aims. One, that the fellowship would increase, and that our joy would increase. And what's really neat about the joy piece is that uh, as we share our joy with other people, we often see, and when we find people who share that same joy, our joy is confirmed. John says, uh, writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Uh, And we see that our joy is affirmed when other people share it. So if I share about my favorite restaurant and find somebody else who loves that restaurant, I don't know about you, but I always feel like all of a sudden I've had this affirmed for me. Like the the passion that I have about that is confirmed and is being made complete, that we share the same interests. And John's kind of saying the same thing here, that as I share my joy in Christ with you and see that reflected, it affirms the joy that I have of why God is praiseworthy, why God is worth, um, worth honor. So John is writing both for their fellowship and for their joy that in Christ, the depth and quality of relationship with fellow Christians as they participate in faith together would increase. Um, That, I'll just jump over here. So to summarize, uh, in the introduction of John's letter to the church in Asia Minor, he sets out the purpose of his writing. So in my letter, I'm proclaiming to you what I've seen with my own eyes and heard with my own ears. God who creates, sustains, and speaks to his creation has revealed himself in Jesus. So God has revealed himself in Jesus. This is what I'm proclaiming to you. And I'm writing to you so that you will have fellowship with us and with God and that our joy may be made complete. So at the start, I talked about this idea or shared this tension um, that I feel in sharing my faith with others, that many of us have trouble knowing what to say or whether what we have to say has value to others. Um, And so however... Um, or what we have to say has value to others. However, you have something in common with John, and that's that in some way God has been revealing himself to you, just as God revealed himself to John. God reveals himself to us in creation, in his word, through Jesus, our Lord and Savior, um, in in our lives by his spirit. And what God has revealed to us, we can share for the same purposes that John put forward. That fellowship with God, uh, as we that fellowship with God would increase. That as we share what has been revealed to us, uh, I come to see, or we come to see, like grace, His love, His mercy, all of these things in new ways, and my participation in God grows as a result. But just as that happens, our fellowship as believers increases as well. That as you share, my participation with you increases too. And finally, the the increase and completion of our joy. That as we share our faith with one another, uh, I or we get to rejoice at the new stories of 
that God is doing, or ways that we see what God has spoken about in Scripture coming to life in the lives of the people around us. So with this in mind, I wanted to make a a bit of time for us, uh, or to help us with this, that as we kind of try to get past that tension of um, revealing God or sharing God with other people. And so so I want to ask you, how has God revealed himself to you? What have you seen? What have you heard? How is God currently present in your life and circumstances? Uh, we're, we're actually going to take just a couple minutes for you to reflect on these questions. And I would love it if you could write down an answer to that reflection, whether if you're taking notes or in a phone. Um, because with that, uh, not that we're going to put you on the spot right after if people are already worried about that, that we're going to spotlight and say, all right, stand up and share. But what's going to happen afterwards is I would love within the next week for you to um, make an effort to share what God has revealed to you with somebody else. For you to, after um, church today at lunch, to reveal or share how God has been revealing himself to you. At dinner with your family or to call up a friend and to, to share this. Because as I've mentioned, this is, uh, this is what John has, is sharing and modeled for us. The idea of we speak what God has revealed to us. And that we do that for the fellowship and joy of the church. Um, for those who are here just checking things out, too, and you're not sure if God has revealed anything to you, you're almost off the hook. What I would love for you to do or encourage you to do is to keep reading what John's written. So we're just reading the introduction of John saying, hey, I'm going to tell you what God has revealed to me. But uh, I'd really encourage you to keep reading First John or to go to the Gospel of John because um, that's a great way for you to understand what, what is he saying God has revealed to him. And for uh, we have a few kids who have joined us in the service today. You guys get to help the adults with their homework. So when you get home or on the way home, you can ask the adults, like, what is a way that you have seen or heard or uh, seen or heard God revealed in your life? So you can help us with this. So I'm going to give you uh, just two or three minutes just to think about this. If you're like me and a longer processor and three minutes is not long enough, then please write down the questions that you could take this home and, and reflect on it as well. So I'll give you two or three minutes now, and then afterwards uh, I just have a little bit of conclusion.
All right, I see a few people still writing their phones, which is awesome. I really appreciate you guys um, taking time to reflect on this. Uh, well, feel free to keep writing. I'm, I'm just going to share quickly some answers for me from, uh, from this, because I, I feel like it's a little unfair for me to ask you to do it and not do it myself. But um, one thing that comes to mind, so even a quick way that I could express this, of thinking through, like, what's a change that God has authored in my life? Um, like, if I was to say that really quickly, it's the idea that he's, God has taken me from slavery to freedom. Like, I've seen him take me from slavery in sin um, to freedom in him. And uh, a longer way that I'd express that, like a way that I've seen um, God really clearly working in my life, is that when I became a Christian in, uh, so I became a Christian in high school and started following God, uh, I brought just lots of habits and thinking that um, weren't, uh, did not fit with God's way uh, or God's desire for my life into my faith and kind of continued struggling and struggling and struggling with those uh, as I tried to live out my faith. And what was interesting about that and why I say slavery is that no matter what I tried, it just felt like I could not shake the bonds of, of particular sins in my life, that I could not um, like throw them off. And as, as diligent as I tried to be, um, as disciplined as I tried to be, it felt like I just kept falling into some of the sim- similar sim- sin patterns. And what was, uh, was interesting is uh, it was when uh, my wife Becky and I were engaged that there's an opportunity for me to, um, to repent and confess of sin that had hurt her as my wife, that had so hurt her, some, somebody here on earth, but had also an opportunity for me to repent before God and uh, recognize the the wrong that that was before God. And what was amazing through that experience was it's like somehow God's spirit worked in my heart that like the chains that held me to the sin all of a sudden disappeared. Sin that I thought, I was like, this is going to be something I'm going to struggle with my entire life no longer was a struggle before. And what was amazing for me is that like God had revealed through his word stories of him healing the cripple, healing the lame, um, healing lepers. And for me, this was like his revelation being made so real in my life that I saw the way that he heals uh, and healed my heart at that time uh, and kind of set me free from, from sinful patterns. And so I really encourage you to um, take time, as I said, to share how you've seen God revealed in your life, because um, these stories are incredible opportunity um, for us to see how God is active and working right now. In the opening of John's letter to his fellow believers, John describes his purpose as sharing what God has revealed. Uh, Just as John spoke about how he had seen and heard God, we have the ability to do the same. John took what God had revealed and put it on exhibition. So he, he took what God, he had seen of God and didn't keep it to himself. He displayed that for others to see. He wrote to fellow believers. He spoke to those who didn't share his faith. And when we, when we share what God has revealed to us, we, like John, have an opportunity to put God on display. Um, what we have to say may be different from one another as well. And while we speak about the same God, we, uh, we will speak different aspects of how God has revealed himself to us. For some, God will have revealed himself as a shepherd who cares for his flock. Uh, it may be God revealing his care for, for you as an individual. For others, uh, this is an image of the prodigal son, uh, which you may be familiar with, you may not be. So this is the return of the prodigal son. Um, and that may be what God has revealed to you, is his grace, his extravagant grace and mercy that he's revealed to you. But as we as a church share how God is revealing himself to us, we get to see all of these stories of how God has revealed himself by his word. And that as a result, uh, as we participate in this together, as 
as you share your story and you share your story, you share your story, I share mine, we grow in depth of relationship and fellowship with one another. So we grow together as a church, but not only that, we grow in our relationship with God. That as I share a story of grace and mercy, you have a new opportunity to understand how God's love, his grace and his mercy is applied in somebody's life and thus get to apply that to your own or understand that for your own life. And so we see that our fellowship grows, but our fellowship our participation with God grows as we share what he has revealed to us. And at the same time, what's amazing about that is we see our joy increase, that as we praise God, as we find joy in God uh, in, in what he has revealed or sharing what he has revealed, others likewise say, like, man, that is my story too. God has done this. And we see our story, our relationship with God confirmed, and we get to, to enjoy that together. So we, are, we see our joy being made complete. <clears throat> so in 1 John, we have, we have a great answer to our apprehensions about sharing our faith. And even when that comes to sharing our faith, like outside of the church and within the church, um, we have an answer to the questions like, what do I say? How do I express myself? And will what I say be valuable? And so John, John's statement to that is that we share what, share what we have seen and heard. And we share what God has revealed, that fellowship may, may abound and that joy may abound. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. Uh, the, uh, it holds so much incredible meaning. And uh, I thank you that you uh, have spoken through creation, uh, that you have spoken to your creation, uh, and the incredible way that we have that um, that we have you revealed in your son Christ, that in him we have the perfect likeness of you, uh, our Father God. Uh, So we thank you for that reality, and we pray that you would help us as a church to continue revealing uh, what you've shown to us, that we would uh, do that regularly with one another, that we would speak of how you've revealed yourself in our lives, uh, and that we we would speak of how we are seeing you and hearing you in our life, uh, that that as a result, we would grow as a church, uh, that our fellowship with one another uh, would, would deepen uh, and, and that there would be much richness in it, in it, God, and that our connection with you as well would grow, God. Um, so we just pray that you would help us to find the words. How do we share what you have revealed to us uh, and that you would help uh, convict and convince our hearts that there is value in us sharing? Uh, we pray that you would equip us for this by your spirit, God. Amen. <clears throat>